0: This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, a rapid recap of a crazy sporting week across the globe. The rise of the ants as the Jack Jumpers highlight round twelve in the NBL, An inopportune time to freeze your sperm. Oh, I feel numb. And possibly the worst NBA All Star Weekend on record. Oh, let's go.
1: It's nine forty on Tuesday, the twenty second of the second, twenty twenty two. Happy Richie Benno Day or Groundhog Day once again, Stewie. It's a shame we're not recording at twenty-two past ten, but that will be a bit late.
0: Well, we're not far off. Yeah, <laughs> we could have we could have held <laughs> off, but we decided not to. It's late enough already.
1: So indeed, as we do at the top every week, but a little bit different this week. What caught your attention? And what'd you miss? A lot caught our attention this week, so we're going to rapid fire through a bunch of things, aren't we? We are. And then, well, should we start with what you miss? You've got a funny for what you miss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, not too long ago, we did a whole bunch of puns where we took NBA players' names and kind of mixed them in with some of our favourite movies or some of the most popular movies of all time.
1: Episode 87, for those that want to go back and listen, we had a lot of fun with it.
0: We did. It was uh, it was a cracker, that one. 20... Towards the end of the episode. 21 today at the Barty party. Yeah, that's a, the one. Great yeah. episode. Yep. But uh, one of the ones that we completely forgot about, Dan Marley and me. <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> It's not quite as sad a story if Dan Marley's involved, I feel No,
1: no Do you know that's listed as a comedy? Oh There's nothing remotely funny Oh my Yeah Is
0: is Sophie's Choice a comedy as well? (laughs) Christ, that is Kramer versus Kramer (laughs) (laughs) And then I guess the other thing I missed Look, triple header of NBL on the Sunday Very, very hard to watch sport for me at all on a Sunday morning So yeah, I didn't really watch much of it until sort of later in the day
1: Mine's the same. Sadly, I missed the end of the southeast Melbourne-Brisbane game, which was a good finish too. Mm. So I'll probably try and go back. I had the best of intentions on my lunch break today, but time just escapes. So,
0: But fortunately, we missed the Melbourne United versus New Zealand. <laughs> well, yeah, I
1: saw a bit of that and I'm like, there is no need for me to watch all nah. of this. I will watch other things. That's it. So I actually watched the dunk comp during that, but we'll get to that in basketball. A lot of other stuff first, beginning with the Winter Olympics, which have wrapped up.
0: Yeah, no, we were very true to our word. We said right at the start, we are not going to watch much of this, no. and we were right. We no. didn't watch much at all. For me, the biggest story that comes out of this is the whole Camilla Valieva story. This oh. Russian Olympic Committee athlete, she was involved in the ice skating. What do you what do you call it? The free skating, I yeah, guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, the free skating is where it all turns to shit a little bit. Mm. Yeah.
0: So. so Basically, the the short story is she failed a drug test that she took on Christmas Day, and yet, what, two months later, she's skating in the Olympics?
1: So the story was that it was her father's heart medicine and her mum also has a heart condition, apparently. She's 15. She does not have a heart condition. But it can be performance enhancing because apparently blood flow and I don't know, apparently it can be performance enhancing. So I'm not sure the C stands for committee. I think it is cheat. Cabbage. No, I think it is cheat. And IOC, I tell you what, incompetent or corrupt. I think that's what IOC Ah, stands for.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Like it's a bloody joke and it's a slap in the face to all the competitors that aren't cheating. Now, obviously this girl's 15. There's every chance that the Russian team has done it against her will and have forced her to do it. And there was a lot of talk about her kind of getting the cold shoulder and being treated like shit after she finished fourth by her coaches and
0: stuff. She fell down. So I actually, so say I actually that, have sympathy for her. She fell down a number of times. You could just, she was rattled. Yeah,
1: she was. She was. And, and the story was that had she won a medal, they would not have had a podium because of the failed drug test. Mm. So we have this bizarre situation where she fails a drug test. She's allowed to compete. A team that already isn't Russia, but the Russian Olympic Committee because they're drug cheats anyway. But she's allowed to compete. But if she wins, they can't have a podium. Or even if she gets a bronze, they can't have a podium. How would that have been fair on the other two competitors? Possibly the greatest moment in their entire life, robbed of a... So lucky. it's kind of lucky in that sense that she finished fourth because mm. they could still podium. It's just a bizarre and shitty story. Well, like. it is.
0: And, and I read this really interesting article from Sports Illustrated and it basically said if children, those under the age of 18, are going to be treated differently by WADA to the way that adults are treated... Then they shouldn't be competing against adults in the first place. Yeah.
1: Well, that's another angle. Yep. Absolutely. So
0: yeah, it, it is interesting. If you look at someone who was maybe 19 or 20 and that happened to them, unless they came up with a really plausible excuse, they're not going to compete. Yeah. So it's very interesting that 15 year old does get that special treatment because she's underage. I mean, mm. it's yeah, it's it's not right.
1: No. No, and it's just one in a myriad of weird goings-on and controversial things that happened at the Olympics that made it a bit of a shame, really. Mm. So um, unlike the Summer Olympics that was great success in the end, this has been a shit show, as we thought. Mm. So, yeah, there you go. But, hey, it's fun watching The Skeleton. Yeah,
0: geez, those, Terrifying. Those people are insane. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely insane. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. Cricket. Cricket. All so right. T20's happened. I watched some
0: highlights. He well, did more than me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
1: it's... the su- Yeah, um, I'm sorry. No. The cricket's done as far as I'm concerned for the summer. I,
0: I can summarise this fairly quickly. Australia beats Sri Lanka 4-1 in a 5-T20-I tournament of sorts. Well, there you series- go. That's
1: what, I think I said three, so that's how much I know. There you go. I know. Yeah.
0: And I said tournament instead of series. <laughs>
1: It's a, it's a, two, much a
0: two-team get. tournament. Uh, yeah, there's not really much to take out of this series for Australia. For Sri Lanka, there's a little bit to take out. They were a really young side that was sent over.
1: Good for them, given that it's hosted here, the next World Cup. So you're right. It was probably much bigger for Sri Lanka to play in the conditions. And yeah.
0: yeah. And look, Sri Lanka bowled really well. Unfortunately, their batting lineup just didn't really perform that well. Yeah, I don't think they got past... Well, they won the fifth one chasing down 154, but they were bowled out for under 140 a couple of times. It's it's not great, really. So I, I don't think Sri is really the powerhouse they used to be. No, it's
1: definitely not. It's been that way for a while, unfortunately.
0: But as you say, a good chance for them to get used to the conditions over here, blood a few young guys. And, oh, and
1: youth yeah. policy is not a bad thing if you are struggling. Get yeah. the young kids in. And speaking of young kids, Will Pekofsky, how sad is that? Very I need to start following the shield a bit closer, but the concussions I mean yeah it's it's too, you, it's too much you can almost write his career off oh,
0: I mean I was two concussions ago
1: yeah oh, it's just it, it's yeah, so sad it is it's so sad it is
0: um just while you were sort of talking before about struggling as well Aaron Finch it's worth mentioning yes did have a couple of decent knocks in the middle so 825, 35, thirty five two and eight but an average of fifteen point six. He's really, really struggling. And I start to wonder whether maybe it's time to take the captaincy off him and start looking for a new option at the top. And speaking of, Josh Inglis, perfect opportunity. So 23, 48, 21 not out, 40 and 23, average of nearly 39.
1: Yep, made the most of his opportunity. That's
0: what you want. And he was excellent in the field from what I saw. Took some good catches, didn't need the gloves, Good chance for Daniel Sands and the Richardsons to get a bowl as well. Josh Hazelwood was excellent in the three that he played in. But, yeah, not a whole heap to take out of it. They did name the squad for the Tour of Pakistan, certainly for the white ball anyway. No Warner, no Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, or Maxwell. So a lot of big, big, big names. Yeah,
1: I guess they're resting them for the red ball stuff. Yeah, Yeah.
0: But, again, good opportunities for guys like Sean Abbott, Berendorf, Nathan Ellis. Well, that's right. Yeah. So we've got some really good guys getting some opportunities that maybe wouldn't otherwise. And away from home. Yeah. It's huge. Like
1: we said with Sri Lanka. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's tough being a fast bowler in Australia because there's just so many good ones.
1: Yeah. Oh, now, speaking of Pakistan, Jimmy Faulkner. I tend to to maybe believe the Pakistan officials rather than Jimmy Faulkner after... Seeing a photo of a chandelier.
0: with I, th- I think you've read a bit more about this. So I'll oh. just kind of introduce the whole idea to people. So Faulkner has let out these explosive allegations saying that the Quetta gladiators have lied about his payments. They have said his behavior was reprehensible. Tee off.
1: Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. So apparently he's claimed that they weren't paying him. They've said, no, your manager told us to pay you in UK pounds in a UK bank account. And now you're asking for Aussie dollars. We're not paying you twice. That's my understanding. And then, yeah, apparently he, like, I saw a photo of a cricket helmet in a chandelier. So if that's real.
0: That could have been anyone. <laughs> so, it's not.
1: Yeah, so not good. Yeah. Not good. And it's a well-run league. And from what I've read, I tend to probably not believe Jimmy Faulkner. Yeah. Yeah, do
0: you reckon his career's done?
1: Oh, it's kind of been on life support for quite some time.
0: But this was very much an outlet that he could get behind. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. The T20 stuff is what you can prolong your career. Mm. Absolutely. But
0: the IPL he's done with. Clearly a Pakistan league he's done with. He maybe could go across to the Caribbean but... <sighs> Just don't think there's much. I mean, or the UAE, yeah. yeah, yeah, there'll be maybe some, maybe the Bangladesh, Bangladesh,
1: yeah, yeah, just keep, yeah,
0: keep working his way down the league, yeah. So. Well,
1: Brad Hogg was playing in the Bangladeshi league at nearly 50, I think. So yeah, I think it can but yeah, no, it's it's sad because at one point he was just about Australia's best short form player, so he had a pretty quick fall from grace, and it, unfortunately, it just hasn't got much better by the looks of things.
0: Yeah, move on to a fairly humorous thing that came out through the week about Ben Cutting and Sahel Tanvir.
1: It's a bit like that phone call one we talked about last week, but on a international scale.
0: Yeah, and instead of pretending to make phone calls, they a bit ruder, Yeah, flipping each other off. <laughs> yeah. So this goes back to a previous game. Tanvia, he kind of flipped, cutting off. I think he was kind of flipping off the sky around him, but doesn't really take much to connect no, the dots on yeah, that.
1: That's that's a send off for the player. You just got out. And clearly. so
0: in this game over the weekend, Cutting has hit three sixes off Tanvia. Absolutely stunning cover drive for the third one. And then he just starts flipping him off. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, there's, there's your one all. And at the end of that, 27 run over from Tanvir. So he's, Sidey, not, he's yeah, not happy. Yeah. The first ball with the next over, Tanvir catches him. And what does he do? Oh, he, he has
1: to. He flips him off. He has to. So, <laughs> like Mr. Mackey. Did you just flip me a... off? You did, you did again. Yeah, you you did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: So the fines have come out. 15% of the match fee. Happy with that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's probably about right. You've got to set a standard.
0: And you've got to up it big time next time. It's got to be 50% or more next time, surely.
1: So I don't know how bad Rude Fingers are considered there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Yeah, to
0: us it's funny, but... mm. Zimbabwe, this is uh, this is an interesting one. So we'll start off with the impending tour of Australia. So there was this talk of them potentially having a one-off test against Australia, which is obviously a great opportunity for Zimbabwe. Well,
1: we've got the World Test Championship too, so they got to play games.
0: But Australia have said their schedule is quote too busy. How disappointing is that?
1: Well, it probably is, but they should prioritise because the minnows have got to play these tests and they've got to play. And you could, geez, we could send a seaside doesn't have to be, not the ocean, but like a third string. I do string.
0: like to see beside the seaside. A third string. We could that's, send us
1: a, like, a third string team if we had to. But
0: That's exactly what I was thinking yeah. as well. It gives you a great chance. And, and we've just talked about guys like Abbott, Berendorf, Ellis, Billy Stanlake. You know, there's so many guys that you could throw in there and just say, right.
1: Well, we did it back in the day with Bangladesh in the top end. True. In Darwin and maybe even Cairns too, I think. Mm. So, yeah,
0: why not? Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. It I mean, is. It's
1: only one test. And
0: this is exactly it. If the schedule's too busy, the B-side or the C-side is the exact... Yeah. That, that's the exact option. Yeah. Because you're not burning out all these top players. So yep. Yeah. It's, People would still watch, too. Absolutely, they would. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you put it. Yep. Now, speaking of Zimbabwe, a little bit of a sad story. Former Zimbabwean batter Tarasai Musakanda was charged with culpable homicide after the death of a pedestrian. Former Zimbabwean Davis Cup player Gwinyai Chingoka... Oh Yeah, it's not what great. What are the odds? Yeah, not Bizarre. great. I didn't see that. Um, he, he did stop at the scene, dropped Chingoka at the hospital, but didn't report it to police until 24 hours after Chingoka passed away. Right. So, yeah, he's facing some pretty bad charges. Look, not the most prominent player, only played five tests, but did play a few ODIs. I think it was about 27 from memory. Just, yeah, just a tragic story. Unfortunately.
1: Well, let's, let's just hope alcohol wasn't involved. And...
0: well, there was a previous incident involving him in, uh, and drink driving, so yeah, right. I, it's hard to know, yeah,
1: because obviously we had that NFL incident earlier in the mm. NFL. So, yeah, yeah, we right. yeah, it's not great. No, let's
0: finish off the cricket with a good little story, though. Matthew Spore's former Hale School student has debuted for Canada in a T20i versus the Philippines, the might of the Philippines, oh, yeah, 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 Manila's finest. <laughs> He made 108 not out of 66 balls, presumably the highest score on debut in a T20I, as part of one for 216, and they restricted the Philippines to five for 98 off their 20 overs. Mm. So a comprehensive win for the Canadians.
1: They only lost five wickets. Mm? If there's a Manila T20 team, surely they'd be called the Folders.
0: (laughs) I know you like a good team name, Shoot. I do. I do like that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on.
1: Yeah, so I guess we've had a chance to reflect now. We had recorded basically maybe an hour after the end of the Super Bowl last week, and we said it was a great and fantastic game. It was a bloody good game. I might backpedal that a little, so I did rewatch it after the fanfare of seeing it at the pub and stuff.
0: Not as good without the beers?
1: Well, the third quarter was shit.
0: Oh, yeah. So so oh, it brutal. was...
1: it. it Three of the four quarters were pretty good, but the third quarter was pretty poor. Aside
0: from like the first play.
1: Yes, of course. Yes. yeah. It wasn't without drama, that's for sure. Mm. But it wasn't a great spectacle. But Joe Burrow was injured and, you know. Now, can the Penguins get back in? So I made a comment at the end about, you know, maybe you need to face defeat before you taste success. But actually, history says that it's very hard to get back if you Mm. lose that one. So Joe Montana, for example, one of the great quarterbacks of all time, he played in the Super Bowl in only his second season and never got back in. So each of the last 16 quarterbacks to lose their Super Bowl debut have never made it back. Wow. So, okay, yes, there are some guys that aren't spectacular. Rex Grossman, Neil O'Donnell, Chris Chandler.
0: Chris Chandler! I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. <laughs> but, you know, there's
1: there's some other guys like Steve McNair was a pretty decent player. Donovan McNabb, Matt Hasselbeck. Okay, and then there's some weird ones like Colin Kaepernick. We know what happened there. Cam Newton, Matt Ryan. So, yeah, maybe there's no guarantee. And we know that they don't have spectacular offensive line there. So they really need to reform that. But in the last 45 years, 27 quarterbacks have lost at least one Super Bowl. Only four have then come back to win one later in their career. Brady twice, John Elway and Peyton Manning. So maybe it won't be as easy for Joe Burrow. But Mm. we will see.
0: Van Jefferson.
1: Yes. What, what a day for him. Oh, crazy.
0: So we didn't get to see this because we left fairly soon after the game finished. Yeah, yeah and, yep. and in the middle of all of the celebrations, someone comes up to him and says, uh, Van, your wife's giving birth right now. Yeah, He's and like, his
1: two other young kids are like,
0: with. oh, okay then. <laughs> and off he goes. So yeah, they had to, uh, had to bail and miss out on all the fun stuff to basically deal, Jim, deal with another crying baby. Do you know what they named it? Champ. Oh, nice. Makes sense, right? I was trying to think of the Roman numerals. <laughs> did, did they name it like Livy? Livy.
1: <laughs> well, you know, yeah. But yeah. no, but Champ is
0: good. Champ, champ is good.
1: Yeah. Champ is good.
0: Aaron
1: Donald. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Can, oh. can, can you imagine him like rocking up to school?
1: The Champ is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, Champ Bailey was a former NFL player. So maybe another generation. Who knows? But Aaron Donald, my God, like, We knew he was bloody good. We knew he was probably the best defensive player in the league. Some of the stuff. There was one play, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where he was triple teamed. Triple teamed. And he still got a sack. One of the seven sacks that Joe Burrow had to endure. So some people are saying he's better than Lawrence Taylor, who's considered the greatest defensive player of all time. So Aaron Donald is getting a lot of buzz. I know we always have recency bias, but if you look at his stats... He's basically been one of the best defensive players for the last 10 years. So yeah.
0: Well, the thing is there's very few sports where there is an absolute undisputed all-time great. I yes, mean, and
1: it's either beholder. It's yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wayne Gretzky's probably the one that is just so head and shoulders above everyone else. Yep. But Jordan LeBron, that's kind of this this big thing yeah, that's going yeah, on in yeah. the in the baseball. There's so many different people you can look at because there's so many different positions around it. Yep. You've got the great hitters, you've got the great pitchers, you've got the great outfielders, and you've got the shortstops like Derek Jeter. Like, yeah, this... yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and, and like you say, any sport, cricket, footy, yep, basketball, as you mentioned. Kabaddi. Kabaddi. Yeah.
0: Huh. Yeah. Couldn't
1: name a single. No, I mean, Actually, him. I can name
0: two. Stephen Milne and Campbell Brown. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation, definitely.
1: But Donald's been the highest graded interior defender since 2014 and was a big part in Burrow being sacked 20 times in the playoffs. The previous record was 12. Mm. So his career might be shortened if they don't get a good offensive line. So let's hope they do because that's a very exciting team there in Cincinnati.
0: Now, I want to talk just quickly about the whole Matt Stafford issue with the photographer.
1: Oh, man, this was not good.
0: So for anyone who somehow missed this, photographer Kelly Smiley taking photos as you do. She's fallen backwards off a six-foot stage and fractured her back.
1: Smiley by name only.
0: Well, at the moment. Mm. She was probably Smiley before that. Yeah, well. But uh, the the horrible thing is the cameras are pointed straight at Stafford and you can see him basically mouth the words, oh my.
1: And then turns his back. And then just
0: turns around and casually walks away sipping his water.
1: Well, or vodka. Well, they were celebrating a Super Bowl, yeah, true. but I, I I lost a lot of respect for him. That was shit.
0: I've heard one moderately plausible defence, and it was somebody who I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody who had won a Super Bowl in their lifetime. And basically said, "Look, at that point, he is blackout drunk.
1: Right? Okay. So yeah.
0: so maybe he's not thinking properly. If he goes over there, he probably falls over himself." probably lands on top of it makes it even worse. I think
1: it could be an insight into your personality, though. I think so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, yeah, everyone always says, believe what a person says when they're drunk.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? Truth juice.
0: They have turned around and said, well, hang on, we're going to pay for her treatment. Is that enough, that whole, like, money over compassion? Yeah, well, exactly,
1: exactly. And would they have paid if that footage wasn't there? Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that leaves a sad taste. That's not good.
0: And, look, I mean, full credit to them. They didn't have to pay for it.
1: No, and, that's true. That's
0: true. And being in America, it's not going to be cheap. Yep. But it does. You kind of literally go, oh, yeah, I yeah, don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's yeah. an interesting one.
1: Yeah. A good story coming out of it. So Eric Weddle actually came out of retirement for the Rams to play in the Super Bowl. There's an interesting tweet here from Dave Cantor. For the ring chaser crowd, Weddle played three plus quarters with a ruptured peck in two places. And I saw the pictures. Called plays on defense, led the team in tackles during the playoffs after missing 750 plus days of football. You should hope to be a millimeter the man he is. Ring chase that.
0: A millimeter the man Yeah, I know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you've
1: got to forgive Americans. They don't understand the metric system. So I, I'm just glad he used it. I'm just glad. He, yeah. I know. I was funny was it. That's, that's another reason
0: why. I, I, you should hope to be 3.6 kilograms the man <laughs> a, he is. A gallon. A, the man. <laughs> Okay, so we know basically what he's going for. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is impressive though. Very impressive. That is very impressive. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing we can kind of
1: miss when we're watching at the pub. or Well, we did acknowledge the penalties at the end. I don't know. I thought they were there. There's been some controversy. Some people have said oh, they weren't being called all game. They were holding them a lot though. Like the defensive players were getting away with a lot, and you can't hold guys for extended period, or in some cases, basically hug them. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I still, f- I don't feel like it was a sour victory in that, right
0: Tony Dungy had a very, very strong opinion on that. You weren't calling them for 57 and a half minutes. Yeah, and I get that. Why call them for the last two and a half? I do get that, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, definitely let the players decide the game, but... Oof.
1: Yes, strong, look, strong words But I, I I kind of consumed a lot of media around it And it doesn't seem to be the prevailing thought Most people thought the Rams were deserved winners Oh,
0: absolutely And again, you go back to the face mask at the start of the exactly. third quarter That exactly. results in a touchdown so. And I
1: also dare say, if OBJ doesn't go down They oh, probably win by a blowout. 14, 17 Who knows, they might have won by So, yeah
0: We can conject all we want We can If he didn't go down, they would have won by 112
1: Yeah, well, almost certainly Yeah 14 safeties would have occurred.
0: Guaranteed. Yeah. So, fun little stat to round things out. In the AFC West, the Las Vegas Raiders, Denver Broncos, and LA Chargers all have 15 divisional titles. The Kansas City Chiefs have 14. So, if they win next year's, everyone has 15. Yeah,
1: there'd be odds on, on chance they, they too. There would be, yeah. The Charlie Chargers are decent, but yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy, isn't mm. it? There has been a lot of realignment in the NFL over the years. I mean, the NBA too. I mean, a lot of sports leagues, but that's still nuts. It is. Yeah couple more things on the rapid fire some very interesting tennis stats i saw this as well but you've got it there on your notes
0: this is an amazing little uh, little comparison so it's quite eerie actually so a couple of things involving carlos alcaraz the young spaniard in 2019 18 year old felix auger aliassime reached his first atp final in rio knocking out fabio fognini in straight sets along the way 2022, 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz reaches his first ATP 500 final in Rio, knocking out...
1: Fabio Fabio. Fabio Fognini. So he won't ever
0: want to play. In straight sets along the way. It's nuts. (laughs) It's nuts. But it gets creepier. February 20th, 2005, 18-year-old Spaniard Rafael Nadal wins his second career ATP title in Brazil. February 20th, 2022... 18-year-old Spaniard Carlos Alcaraz wins his second career ATP title in Brazil.
1: Well, I guess he'll go on to win 21 Grand Slams. Then.
0: And counting. Yeah. And get this, he's the first player to reach the top 20 before the age of 19 since...
1: Rafael, Rafael Nadal. Nadal! There you go. It's
0: crazy. He's actually hes won more ATP 500 events on clay than Djokovic and Federer combined, and he's not even 19.
1: Well, he'll just take the mantle from Nadal as the clay genius, by the sounds of it.
0: It could be a very, very nice baton change. Yeah, mm. indeed. Yep. And then something we've just seen—literally two minutes before we press record. Oh,
1: yeah, this is crazy.
0: Alex Sverev and Jensen Brooksby in the Mexican Open in Acapulco—they were part of the 6 p.m. session. It had two marathon three setters before they could even get on. They started their match at about 1:30. Yeah, in the morning. And they finished at a world record 4:56 a.m. Thanks largely to a 111-minute second set. This broke a record that I wasn't sure would ever get broken. It was a game that you and I both watched in our youth.
1: Yeah, I, I just I didn't see the whole thing, but I remember the famous match. Yeah, yeah it was
0: Leighton Hewitt and Marcus Baghdatis. I think at the Australian Open in like 2005 or something like that. Well,
1: that was it. Wasn't that the year that Baghdatis made his way all the way to the final? Or like he, he became a bit of a sentimental favorite one he, year. He did. He was I don't know if it was that year, but
0: the, the Cypriot. Yeah. It was yeah. a bit of a uh, yeah, a bit of a hero down here. It was kind of like the male Kim Kleisters.
1: Yeah, Aussie Kim, as they used to call it. Yeah, so he yeah.
0: was playing late in here. Yeah, anyway, there you go. There's, there's the connection. There's your parallel. Yep. But uh yeah, unbelievable. And that one finished at 4:33 in the morning. This one 456. God, that was just run. and that was a first round match. Well, 6 p.m. session.
1: So they had to wait around for seven and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, someone should yeah. almost be fired over this Could they have not rescheduled it to the next day? This is terrible Yeah, it is Terrible
0: That's got to be when you come out at like 10 o'clock in the morning Start early get... Oh, it's
1: irresponsible yeah. It's, yeah. yeah No, yeah, absolutely that, It shouldn't have happened
0: Because now is going to have to basically play a game on Oh, it's fucked A messed up sleep pattern Yeah, yeah. It's not cool It's not cool at all Shit Speaking of not cool, soccer
1: I've got a not cool Well, not,
0: not soccer in general. So soccer's, well, like, soccer's okay for me. I don't uh, mind it. But uh, something not cool that happened in the soccer.
1: Yeah, go on.
0: Not a great day at the office for New Zealand's Michaela Moore against America. She scored a hat-trick in 35 minutes. But you said it wasn't a good day. All own goals. Ooh. Wah, wah. And then she got subbed off in the 40th minute.
1: <laughs> 40, I was surprised until that one.
0: Yeah, not a, not a good day at the office at all.
1: Speaking of not good days at the office... Now, I, in the realm of what you miss, I'm, actually, this is the first time I've been interested in watching SAS Australia because of the Wayne Carey grilling that he gets, like the interrogation session where he talks about Kelly Stevens and all that stuff. Melissa Wu, she may have to retire because she injured her back in SAS Australia the same season. That's terrible. Yeah, that's... She's the defending gold medal champion in the Commonwealth Games in the diving she may never die if, it's really sad. So that's fairly recent news too. So let's hope it's not that bad, but jeez, that would be a bad way to go out. My God.
0: Honestly, if you needed any more reasons for that show to get canned for good, there it is.
1: Well, let's watch the Wayne Carey interrogation first though.
0: Well, just make it interrogations then. Just, just call <laughs> it interrogations Australia. Get rid of setting them on fire and pushing oh, them off cliffs. You're onto something.
1: No, set them on fire, then
0: interrogate. them. <laughs> well, wow, that doesn't sound dangerous at all. <laughs> It's just a bit of flame. You'll be fine. <laughs> Crikey. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week takes us back to the Winter Olympics and the type of icy pole nobody wants. Oh. Remy Lindholm, competing in the 50km cross-country event, which had been shortened to 30 kilometers because conditions were that bad, finished the event with a frozen penis. Oh. That's, that sort of icing Yes, that's right. <laughs> One of his poles froze. Oh, he still somehow managed to finish only four minutes out of the medals, though. But You wouldn't want to scratch
1: it too hard. No, It'll you snap would off.
0: not. No, you would not. Oh, Jesus Christ. Get this, though. It's not even the first time it's happened to him. It happened in a race in Finland last year.
1: He needs more blood flow. He, he does. It's probably performance enhancing to take a Viagra before well, going to... Well... <laughs> A future aerodynamic wind resistance, yeah. would be
0: terrible. I mean, it wouldn't impact me that much, but, but for the ordinary man, oh dear, uh, this is well and truly the sort of injury you do not want being broadcast, and it is now worldwide news.
1: Oh man, well, luckily, the news cycle moves so quickly. But he, so. he
0: got to do the opposite, you know, usually if you heard it, you'd put like frozen peas on it. He basically did the opposite.
1: Put a heat pack on Heat pack on Yeah, it. or hot peas.
0: War- warmed up or hot yeah. 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 Mushy, pear. Mushy pear. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's enough grief already with the shrinkage jokes in that sort of way. Oh, of course, yeah. But to cop that. Oh, oh. that's almost internal in that weather. Mm. Jeez. So to you, Remy Lindholm, and your frozen phallus, your preserved penis, <laughs> your chill chopper, <laughs> all I can say is, hell bloody hell. Bloody hell. So, Shui NBL, let's whip
1: through the games. One game in round 11 before we get into round 12, and that was New Zealand defeating Cairns by one.
0: Yeah, this was a really weird one. I, great finish to a really ugly game, by all accounts. I actually watched the end of this at the beach because it was the Monday that we took off for the Super Bowl. Right. And so, beautiful day. Went down the beach with the kids. And, yeah, it was 55-35 at halftime, 48-29 second half by Cairns to sort of get back into this thing. Yanni Wetzel was absolutely unstoppable in this one. 23 points, 12 boards, four assists, and six steals. Wow. Wow! So he was absolutely phenomenal. And again, get him involved in those pick and rolls, and he's almost unstoppable. Yep. Um, Hugo Besson's struggles continue. He's not doing amazingly. Siva and Randall were a little bit unsettled as well. They were 13 of 45, at less than 29% between them. It was honestly, the, the big reason for the comeback was just the energy from Majok Deng and Keanu Pinder. They just, they dragged this team back into this game. They were still down 12 with less than four minutes to go. And they still had a great look from Machado at the foul line to win this game. Mm. It was ridiculous.
1: Keanu Pinder, great defender. Good to see Machado back, but Cairns will still struggle.
0: They do. They struggle offensively against good defensive teams. Yeah. And New Zealand are not that right now.
1: And it's, it was the battle of the cellar dwellers hmm. recently, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest, you, I didn't see much of this either because I had the quiz that night. But that Kyron Galloway block, so he only had five points, five boards. He had three blocks for the game. That's the sort of stuff why I picked New Zealand in the finals because they're so long and athletic. One of the cleanest blocks you'll see, hey?
0: It was, yeah. It was a, a beautiful drive in from Tajir McCall, drew the defense, drops it off to Keanu Pinder, and Galloway just came out of nowhere and erased this thing. It was oh, magnificent. a thing of beauty. It sure was. But yes, as you said, not a particularly attractive game for most of it, and yeah, very much the cellar dwellers, two teams that we don't expect to be seeing much of come finals time.
1: Outside of Galloway and Bark, they only had 1 minute 49 of bench play. So those wow. guys had twenty three thirty and twenty four fifty respectively. And then Davidson played in less than two minutes.
0: Yeah, it's surprising that Sam Timmons isn't getting more of a run. He's been quite decent when he's got on the floor. But I guess, you know, when you've got Yanni Wetzel cooking like that, you maybe don't want to well, mess with it. Yeah,
1: and I guess they were going pretty well until Cairns came back too. So
0: mm.
1: Now, next, we had a very good game indeed. The margin was maybe a little bit bigger in the end. Maybe didn't reflect the closeness of the game. One of the games of the season would you say? The throwdown, Melbourne oh. United beating South East Melbourne by 7.
0: Yeah, maybe uh, certainly be top 10. It, we've had we've top actually 10, been, yeah, we've, not top 5. We've been blessed with some very good games. We have. We have. It, it's it's like one end of the other. You're either getting an absolute classic or you're getting a heap of shit. It's
1: true. It's mm. true actually. Yeah.
0: This was a fun one. A oh. really fun game to watch though. Absolute track meet to start. Oh, things. it
1: was a joy to watch. Yeah, I I would encourage people to go back and watch it if they haven't seen it.
0: I guess we should start with the big point out of this one. So 30 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks from Joe Lawalichul. Is he the MVP right now?
1: Well, it's very hard to argue, isn't it? Very hard to argue. He'd be top three.
0: I would make the the cause that he is the most unstoppable player in the league because no one can guard him. He's hard to defend. He's too tall for most guys, and if, if people are tall enough for him, He's quicker than them. Yep. And he can take you out. He can shoot the three. He had one of those Dirk Nowitzki one-foot step back Oh, he likes those little
1: fades. Yeah, 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 He is just... I think he's been practicing. Yeah, he's
0: absolutely turned into an all-round beast. And, look, he had what I thought was maybe a block of the season candidate on Joe Chi. You think otherwise? Well, I thought thought
1: Chi might have been fouled with the offhand. She was blocked twice and I, I thought you know, he might have been fouled on both with, with the defender using the off guard was the other one.
0: It's hard to tell because he's just such a big man.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, yeah, it, it looked good on one arm, but maybe the other arm. But yeah, I mean, nonetheless, we're still at a very impressive block mm-hmm. and hey, they didn't call a foul. So the record book the, says it was the, a block.
0: Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I think it's one of those ones where the league is maybe looking for a narrative and I think JLA might fit that. So we've obviously had such a great run in Perth with Bryce Cotton winning most of them for the last, what seems like most of the last bloody 20, even though he's only been here for a few years. But I think the narrative and the timing is almost spot on for someone from Melbourne taking it out.
1: Well, there's a, I mean, I know neither of us or Cody picked him in the top four. I don't know what the hell we were thinking. Well, I do in some ways, but anyway. Uh,
0: No one, nobody saw JLA making this. No, and
1: and he's one of the reasons. So he's made this step. So we saw Landau leave. We thought Melbourne might kind of be on that bubble, maybe not make the top four. But, hey, if if he's the best player on a team that could finish top, then absolutely he'd be right up there. I'd, I'd say Jalen Adams is probably the one, one and one A. And then, I don't know, maybe Bryce in third place. But, yeah, yeah, no, he's got a very strong chance. And anyone that bet him at 151, my God.
0: Yeah, look, for me, it, yeah. As I said, no one would have seen this jump coming. It was a case of last season, he would take the three and you'd kind of hope that maybe he'd make a couple, but he would often take the wrong shot. Whereas this season, it's just... He's matured. Every shot he's taking is a good shot yeah. for the most part.
1: Yeah. No, so, he's definitely he's definitely picking his moments a bit better. He's matured. He still is a reluctant passer, which I think is one of, him, one of the big knocks on his game. And a lot of bigs can pass nowadays so it is a good skill to have especially if you want to make the nba but my goodness i mean he's improved in leaps and bounds and as you say he's very hard so he takes a lot of shots but he's very hard to defend mm. so he's going to keep launching
0: i'm a little bit worried though he did get into a bit of a spat with uh, with vikman over the weekend and i believe that maybe you know he's he's looking for something but he's not necessarily willing to play Right. Entirely under what, what the system is. Right.
1: But well, I mean, as someone who's not a willing passer, that maybe he's a bit selfish, sense. but he wants to make the NBA. So uh, it's tricky. It is is. It it? Yeah.
0: It is. So I guess looking at why Melbourne are so unbeatable right now, it's pretty simple. Their defense is amazing. I mean, okay, they get away with a the lot. They kind of hold and grab. Yeah, they do. They, they, they do. But they recover really, really quickly when they get beat off the dribble. If, you know, there's a pick and roll and someone rolls hard to the rim. They've got guys helping. Their defensive schemes are phenomenal. Yes, they foul, but they do it within the limits of what the umpires will call. Well, so- they've got
1: to call it. And and the guys, the role players, are. There's they've got some defensive role players like Illy. So guys will come off the bench and they'll try and lock a guy down on the perimeter yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. no, that, no.
0: That's, that's absolutely one of the keys I had. He had eight points, eight assists, and three steals in this game. Yep. They get no let off at all at the point guard position when Illy comes in.
1: And Jack White's the other one who's taken a big step too. Yep. Huge step. So they're two bigs, uh, two of the best bigs in the competition.
0: Well, Jack White looked like the perfect foil for Mitch Creek in that game. He has the size. He's got the quickness. He's probably more athletic than Creek.
1: Creek's not a power forward. He's a small forward. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that that was great. But, again, Melbourne smashed them on the boards, 47 to 34. Their ball movement was great, plus six in the assists. It is just like and they did all of this with a garter struggling
1: yeah it's really weird they seem to just take different guys okay obviously jla has been magnificent in most games but different guys take nights off or have bad games but other guys step up yep. so it might be delhi one night or it's a garter another night golding golding's been a little bit up and down too yeah. so but they do enough they but, do enough and they play good deep. i mean it's kind of the wildcats blueprint in a way play good deep get rebounds and even if you're not firing offensively, you're still going to have a bloody good chance of winning.
0: And going back to Goldie, I mean, he's been hitting shots at the right times. So he might not be shooting a great percentage all the time.
1: But he has that knack.
0: But in this one, there was a big run that the Phoenix put on where they got up by eight. I think they went on something like a 21-0 run. And they get up by eight and Goldie hits a three. And it was the exact same sort of sort of three that he hit that started a run against the Wildcats. The Wildcats yeah, yep. And then even in this one, it was a one-possession game at the end. And they find Goldie in the corner and he hits a three. So his timing is spot on. For Southeast Melbourne, though, I wanted to focus a little bit on, I guess, the, the situational awareness. A minute 12 left in this game. It's a two-point game. Oh,
1: I know. And this is what I was saying at the top here. The score didn't belie that. They just blew it.
0: Xavier Mumford and Brandon Ashley both on the bench.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Liafa made some pretty bad decisions. He actually had a pretty good game prior to the end, I thought. Well, but like, he's five of
0: 16 from the field, though. Did he miss that many? He oh, missed okay, that many. It, okay. it, it, he may, maybe looked better because he took a lot of shots. Yeah, okay. That's, okay. that's more than anyone on the team took. Brokoff only took three shots in that game.
1: Yeah, no, that's not It's good It's much. not
0: right. No. And, you know, having Mumford back on that minutes restriction, 17 minutes 54, he played. Fucking hate minutes restrictions. Yeah, no. Yeah. If you can, if you're fit to play, you play. If you're not <laughs> right to play, you don't play. Simple as that. I, I just I don't like minutes restrictions. But yeah, seeing Mumford and Ashley on the bench when there's a minute twelve left and you're looking at guys who maybe shouldn't quite be out there, it's actually
1: uh, I can kind of understand as a bit of a foul machine. But yeah, no, nah, he
0: was killing them in that game. Yeah,
1: no, he. he I mean, he was a great pickup, and I hate to be a broken record, but he's the exact player the Wildcats needed. Mm. Just a guy that will Needed. play. Well, still need. need still need. <laughs> yeah. Plays defense, grabs rebounds, is athletic, but doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. Mm. Yeah.
0: But look, great win to Melbourne United. They just continue to roll. And look, South East Melbourne played well. They played well. They would have beaten almost any other team in the league that night.
1: Just Well, unfortunately, they'll probably look at this like they looked at game three. Like mm. we, we we should have won this game. We could have and we could maybe have, yeah. should have won this game.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, But the... The other great thing about this game, they raised a lot of money for prostate cancer. How um, many dunks were there? Yeah, there were a lot. There were at least 10, I reckon. There were tons. Mm, that was good. JLA alone, I reckon, had four or five. Yeah, Joe Chi had a couple. Yeah, Jack
0: White had a nice spin. Joe, yeah, he was lovely. Threw that down. Like yeah, that yeah, yeah. And JLA
1: had a baseline one as well, yeah.
0: Oh, that one where he just yeah, p- yeah. dropped the shoulder and yeah. just, oh. Good yeah, game. That was a good game. Yeah. The next one wasn't so great, though, yeah, was Yeah, well, oh. like
1: you said, up and down, up and down.
0: Illawarra, 79, defeat Cairns, 54. Did you even watch no, this No,
1: I can't say that I did, to be honest. Yeah. Lucky,
0: lucky boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I, I, I battled through this one. This was almost harder to watch than the Rookie Challenge game on, oh, wow. on the weekend. That's saying something. Pretty good first quarter from Cairns. It was, I think they had 21 or 23 in the first quarter. And then all just downhill, 9 and 8 in the third and fourth quarters. So a 17-point second half. Poor shot selection and too many turnovers. Do you know they had two points in the last five minutes, 30 of the third quarter? In fact, they had two points across 11 minutes, 47, bridging the third and fourth.
1: Which must have inspired the Adam Ford quote. We're highlighting the same deficiencies in our offense and defense each week, so you're either not listening or you're an idiot. Harsh words. It's
0: hard to know which one. (laughs) It's, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Illawarra was up 48-44 to in this game with 3.37 left in the third quarter, and they go on a 31-10 run to close it out.
1: Yeah, well, Illawarra have got to win these games if they want to make the playoffs. They absolutely have to win these games. They
0: do, they do. I did want to just quickly mention another really poor example of the league prioritising replays over live action. Oh, yeah. So Mirko Jerich hit a three, but they'd just come back from the second replay of a dunk from Antonius Cleveland, and the second replay just happens to be one from Slam Cam, which looks terrible in the NBA yeah, anyway. It's, not it's too small. Yeah, and the ball had already left Jarrett's hand. In fact, it was pretty much right next to the rim. So you flash back, and all you see is the ball going in. Yeah, terrible. It is terrible. Terrible. Perfectly apt sort of uh, sort it's of play summed up the game for this game. Yeah. yeah. Now, and the website. Well, and the website.
1: <laughs> well, I just when we were looking, so we'll talk about the third import in a moment. When I was trying to look at stats, so I could get stats on every team, but for whatever reason, it goes to the Jack Jumper website rather than the NBL.com.au website for all the teams and players. And they didn't have the minutes the but guys are averaging.
0: They don't have minutes in Tasmania.
1: Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay.
0: Everything's calculated in days. So, we did get a little bit of a run then on the Saturday of nice games. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: Southeast Melbourne 98 beats Brisbane 94 in the starter. Oh,
1: I'm still so annoyed I missed the end of this because, yeah, I had to. I can't even remember why we had to go out in the third quarter, or fourth quarter. Yeah. I I'm going to go back and watch the end of this.
0: So, this was actually the sixth game in 14 days for Southeast Melbourne.
1: Yeah, right. That is a lot. Yeah.
0: That is a lot. Yeah.
1: Okay. I did feel like I'd. Seen a bit of them, but didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, okay.
0: So this is the Cam Glidden and Ryan Brokoff game, really. Well, I mean, a lot of people are just calling it the Cam Glidden game.
1: Yes. Oh, he, just, he, he went burko. Well, he hit, didn't he hit four in the first quarter?
0: Yeah. Yeah. In two and it's a just, half minutes. Yeah,
1: bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Off the bench, that's right. It's that's nuts. Right.
0: So they had 38 points between them, 10 of 13 from three. Cam Glidden's been shooting 33% from deep this season. brokoff has been shooting 22 So to get those numbers out of those guys is a very, very welcome sight for the Phoenix.
1: Well, we know they're better than those averages.
0: Oh, absolutely they are.
1: Yeah. So it's only, it's a matter of time.
0: One thing that was really interesting though, was that we actually finally got to see some decent inside out basketball. So it's amazing how often from the start guys are just jacking up threes without even thinking about it. And the ball was brought inside, and you were seeing guys like Lamar Patterson getting the ball for Brisbane. Joe Chi was getting the ball down low for Mitch, Mitch Creek. Yep. Yeah, Franks was getting, as again, like all the big guys were, were getting the ball down low for their respective teams and then finally passing out and, and getting good wide open looks. So that was nice to see.
1: Absolutely. I'm sick of these three point shootouts. Well, we'll get to the All Star yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: But you know, for Southeast Melbourne again, contributions from the other guys. Chi and Ashley had two fouls very early on, and Dane Pinot and Tori Smith Milner were huge. They came in. Their numbers probably won't look massive. I think they both had four points and maybe a handful of rebounds. But
1: they did that next man up thing. They yeah. they did. And the guys ahead of you are in foul trouble.
0: They played great, great defense. I mean, Dane Pinot. I've heard, uh, I believe, well, certainly a number of people, but the Pocket Podcast guys talk about him as being one of the best sort of on balls. Well best screen defenders at least uh he's a handy player he's a handy player definitely um chi was actually a non-factor in this one again and and it continues my thoughts of maybe he does need to go to the bench and have ashley starting
1: yeah look it's an option they have and and maybe they need to look at it
0: i think chi and adam would be quite an interesting little tandem off the yeah 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 I i would like that i think that would be quite good now, Leafa, we talked about him having five of 16 from the field in the previous game. He went the complete other way in this one. He didn't take his first shot in the first half until right on the buzzer, a 60-foot heave. So he pretty much went the entire first yeah, half yeah, without a shot. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. Adam only having 10 minutes in the game was interesting as well, probably because Glidden was on fire. Yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, geez, Brisbane, they're, they're a frustrating team. Oh, I
1: feel sorry for Brisbane fans. They're because sort of they, Yeah. They they just don't they probably don't live up to their and okay yeah Sobi's been injured and stuff but they they don't they don't live up to their talent probably they
0: need to get used to that because Sobi there's no timeline for him coming back yeah so their, their defense is so abysmal it is just. Like it's infuriating. Well, like Patterson's
1: that. not a great defender, and well, he's he's
0: not. But there was so- soby's
1: probably their best defender, so they're missing one of their best, if not best, defenders. Yeah, yeah.
0: they like they can't keep guys in front of them. There's no help defense at all. I, I saw one play. I'm sure it was a pick and roll, and both the guys went to the guy at the top, and the guys rolled to the basket, and guys are just turned around and gone. Hey, complete
1: yeah. breakdown. There's yeah. a, there's a layup. Yeah. Yep. Cool. <laughs>
0: And in pick and rolls, yeah, they just they keep getting lost. It's like their, their positioning's all out. It's, oh, it's horrible. So they're getting nothing defensively. Look, their offense was brilliant in this game. Um, they were 40% from three, and that was out, up around the 50 mark for most of the game. They shot 55% from the field for the entire game, which is a great clip, but it's mostly Patterson and Franks. They're getting no help at all. Harrison and Drimmick kind of had little cameos, but there was just nothing else in this game from them. And we're at the stage now with Brisbane where there are no more moral victories.
1: We'll put it this way. If you shoot 55% from the field and you lose, that's a major warning sign. Either the other team has shot 65% or you're playing shit defense. And that's what what happened.
0: <laughs> it is very much the latter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's look, they're 5 and 9 after this one, 1 and 6 in their last seven games. As I said for Brisbane, like they can look at it and go, well, we, we played in Melbourne and we played one of the top teams in the league. We and lost by four. Tough shit. That doesn't matter. No,
1: you can't. If you have that attitude, you're never making the playoffs.
0: Yeah. You, there's no more moral victories for Brisbane. It's put up or shut up time.
1: Absolutely. And I
0: absolutely believe that they have done. Good times in Sydney, though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll see how they go on the road because they've played a lot at home. But no, it was a big win and you can only do what the fixture says. Mm. So, huge win.
0: Yeah, so Sydney ninety eight defeat Perth ninety five in an absolute classic. I will just quickly mention that point that you you did make. Sydney have played five games away from home so far this season.
1: Yeah, well, it's like the flip of Perth, basically. Mm. Yeah.
0: So we'll uh, we'll very very soon, yeah. See. Well, that they'll we'll, have a test. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. To...
1: We'll see. But I'll tell you what. I mean, their import trio is the best in the league.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would so, say so
1: there's there's every reason to believe they'll make the playoffs. I think.
0: Oh, I think so. I think they're at the point now where if they don't finish. I would say top three, really. They should be looking to push past certainly one of the Phoenix. I think the Wildcats, with the amount of home games coming up, away games in Tasmania, I mean, as well as Tassie have been playing, you would still expect.
1: Without Magna. You'd
0: still, yeah, yeah, you'd still expect Perth to win that one. But yeah, you would. But uh, But you wouldn't be surprised if they lost it either. No, exactly right. So, yeah. But yeah, that third, fourth, fifth spot, it's really, they're all up for grabs.
1: Yep. Well, that's what we predicted. Not
0: that anyone's wanting to grab fifth. No, but well, that's still.
1: So, Jalen Adams, Shuey. he, like I said, if, if JLA is an MVP, I think Adams is. He's very close. The first player with two 30 point games against the Wildcats, he had a 30 and 8 and 9, and then on the weekend, a 31, a 7 and 8, seven rebounds, eight assists. No one's done it against the Wildcats since 2002. Do you want to have a crack, trivia without notice?
0: I saw who it was, and it's a guy that I barely remember.
1: All right, I'll give you a clue, Brisbane.
0: No, I mean I know I know it's. Oh, a, you knew it was I know it's a Brisbane guy. Just Randy got, Rutherford. Randy Rutherford. I knew Another it was, guard. I knew it was a guy who had yeah. like, who had alliteration in his name. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't. Yeah, he was a cracking player. He was decent. Yeah. yeah, he was.
1: Yeah, I mean they were a bloody good team. That was a little bit before their their championship. They had a good team in Brisbane when some of those Tigers guys went they over. They did. There.
0: Yeah. The the Ebbie of the yeah, world. Well well. Yeah, well,
1: Sam McKinnon, Mark Bradkey, Leonard Copeland, I think was
0: even on that I'm team. Not going to pretend that Sam McKinnon was a Tigers player, but.
1: Oh no, sorry. Yeah I, oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was talking about how good Brisbane was. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about how good Brisbane was. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I spoke last week about this whole Mitch Creek versus Xavier Cooks being the best matchup in the entire league and we saw a nice little audition from Adams and Bryce Cotton this week. It was it was a fun one to watch.
1: Well, Cotton loves playing the Kings. He loves playing in Sydney. So Adams was the perfect foil, wasn't he?
0: Cotton did outscore him 33-31, but I think Adams probably had a slightly bigger impact on the game.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, they won too.
0: What I love about Adams is there's not many bigger point guards who like to get to the rack and finish there the way that he does. He's not all just shooting threes. Now, Bryce Cotton's obviously a very outside-oriented guard. There's a lot of other ones out there. I mean, you've got, what, Josh Adams down in Tassie and and Majet that that like to shoot a lot of threes. Tyler Harvey likes to shoot a lot of threes. it's It's where the league's heading. Absolutely yeah. it is. So to see someone like Adams, who is relentlessly attacking the rim, still can shoot the three. I mean, he had, what, an eight three-point game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Season. He'll so, knock him down. Like, when he's hot, he can shoot Yeah, Yeah, oh, he's
1: not afraid to take him.
0: But it is. It's fun to watch someone like that. He's an absolute beast.
1: Yep. So, Stewie... As weird as it is, so I can't remember the exact details. The Wildcats were down, what, 6-7 with maybe a minute and a half left? 96 to 89 it was. Okay. And then there was this comedy of errors of fouls and out of bounds and all sorts of weird and shit. And technical foul. Technical that foul, was... which was there. It was, ca- he no, overstepped no, it was. the line yeah. by a big way. Yeah. I actually do you remember a game way back in the day, the Wildcats, where Aaron Traher has stepped over the line intentionally to to try and get the ball back after foul shots. And the commentator didn't know what was going on. He's like, "Oh, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, you've had a brain explosion!" And the he was the play-by-play guy, and the special comments guy had to go. Ah, actually, that was a tactical decision. He did the right thing, and so, it was just awkward. So he
0: was the Dwayne Russell. Then
1: <laughs> I wish I could remember who it was and when it was, but it wasn't Peter Ensel on Channel Ten. But hmm. yeah, yeah, the John Gardner days. Garner, yeah, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't have been him though. Nah. But yeah, anyway, yeah, no, and and so somehow. The Wildcats actually kind of choked this away, absolutely. Man. And like to be down by seven with that little time left, millimeters of time. Some NFL My- <laughs> people would say. <laughs> if people are listening to our basketball only segment, this is going to make no sense. Yes, but but anyway, I, I just yeah, I came away feeling like the Wildcats choked, which is such a bizarre. Whoever feeling.
0: lost that game was going to feel like they choked. Good point. This this is the good thing.
1: point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But obviously, it just comes down to shot selection and. Look, the Wildcats had a pretty decent clip from three, I guess. 17 of 45, 38. It's it's above league average. I had a nice little conversation with Scott Morrison on, yeah, Twitter, yeah.
1: on Twitter about this because i yes, has been a few little Twitter back and
0: forth. I was look, I and apologies to Scott. I was a little bit uh, a bit angry about hey,
1: that's Costco Mo too. Costco Mo, yes. Yeah, coach Scott. I,
0: I was a little bit angry about the the loss, and I, I reached out to him and I was like 17 of 45, and he's like, What's your point? It's you know, and he, he did, he made some great points. Credit was, to him for pushing back. He did. It was yeah. a, it was a better percentage than league average. It was better points per shot than all but one offense in the league, which I think is great. I just didn't want guys falling in love with it, especially Vic Law. He is in a real slump. Yeah. One of seven from three. The only one he made he got fouled on.
1: Well, and that potential game winner that he took was terrible. The Wildcats were down one and he took a three, and and it wasn't even a good three. It was, it was terrible. It was what, a terrible shot selection.
0: What annoyed me the most about that was with Cook's closeout, he actually because everyone's obviously expecting that Bryce Cotton's going to take the shot, Books, and he could have. Cooks was kind of hedging towards him, and when he when he's sort of made the closeout on Law, Law actually had an angle to go around the handoff. Oh yeah, no, okay. he could, yeah. He could yeah. have gone round him left, got to the mid range. Got to the hoop, whatever it Yeah, take to it be, to the rack, draw a foul, get, You're only down one. Yeah, get a better shot. It was disappointing. So yeah, I think the percentages won't be like that every game. We're, I think we're shooting about thirty-two percent from the season. So it's it's maybe yeah, it's not a great example because they did shoot at a decent percentage, but
1: the Cotton and Law aren't always coexisting well together, are they? Not. I mentioned last week or the week before that it's like the Dwayne Wade, LeBron take turns kind mm. of Miami early days. Yeah. It's actually a little bit reminiscent of when Bryce came into the team and it kind of affected Casey Prather. Yep. History's repeating itself a little bit here. I, I would have thought by now the chemistry would be a bit better. Mm. So that's it's a concern, I think. It's not just Michael Frazier that's the concern.
0: Well, we do have to talk about him because he is a big concern right we now. We sure do. Two points, zero of three from the field, four rebounds in about 20 minutes. I said it in our pre-season preview with the Pocket Podcast guys, he is redundant once Blanchfield is back. Yep. And for me, my simple question is where the fuck is Plumley?
1: Well, well, before we go there, I think he's kind of stealing Travis's minutes. Now, okay, they're not the same type of player, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's not that's not always how rotations work. You know, it's it's guys will shift a position or whatever. I think some of the minutes going towards Frazier should be going to Travers, and then, as I say, you juggle around the rest of the I think guys. All
0: like, of the minutes going to Frazier should be going to different well, players right now. Maybe I just I don't maybe think he's not the right fit. He doesn't play defense at a high enough level for me. He's not
1: doing. He's not doing what we were promised that he would do. How's this? Did Coscimo dock Rivers him in the press conference?
0: I didn't see that.
1: So someone asked him about Frazier's struggles. And rather than defending him, Coscomo basically said, well, you'll have to ask him that.
0: Oh, okay. That's a bit reminiscent Absolutely. of Doc Rivers
1: in the NBA playoffs.
0: I mean, it, it would be good to ask him. I, I don't have a problem with that. Well,
1: I don't know. I think a coach should defend their players no matter what. But yeah.
0: I mean, it's been half a season or more and we're still getting this sort of play out of him consistently. I, yeah, I just think it's time to make a move and we'll, we'll talk in a quick minute about the third imports because it is a, it's a it's a big problem in the league for a lot of teams.
1: Yep. No, we we have had a bit of a crunch on that one. We
0: have. So we'll quickly rattle through parts of Sunday because as I said, we didn't really see much of it.
1: Yeah. So Adelaide and Cairns. Speaking of the Twitter wars, Jerome Randall is pushing really hard to come back to Adelaide. They yeah. obviously they fired or Jeff Van Gronigan's left uh the GM spot there Good. in the last day or so. It's
0: a sack of shit. Yeah, it. ask Andrew Canyon. Speaking not of the anyone. Podcast. he's a sack of shit. Love sticking the boot in. Yeah.
1: But Jerome Randall, like so, someone called him a cancer on Twitter, and he pushed back. And so there's this dialogue between an Adelaide, I assume, an Adelaide fan, and Jerome Randall, back and forward on Twitter. It's worth a look, hey, because they, they
0: uh, could do a lot worse than him. Right well,
1: now. yeah, I don't know. But they need a
0: Is big. He, they, don't get me wrong. They need a big.
1: Plus, he's a bit of a stat pad. Like, I don't know.
0: They need someone Is he who as can,
1: effective as his numbers.
0: They need someone who can score the ball. Like, yeah. Well, can,
1: yeah, yeah. They could do with some scoring punch.
0: They really could. This one was a again, it was a shocking start from Adelaide. They were down 11 one I think it might have been 13-1 at one stage, 23 to 9 at quarter time. And then Cairns did what they do. They shut the bed forgot how to play basketball. Yeah, yep. 24 points in the middle two quarters combined. We got a Mitch McCarron sighting, which was good.
1: <laughs> I've seen some uh Twitter stuff about him as mm. well of like people sticking the boot in. Yeah.
0: So 14 points, seven boards, five assists and six steals for him. He was sort of back to the sort of play you would expect, but do it against the top team. That's my question. Can you do it? Yep. Probably not. But, uh, yeah, look, it was, this was the early Sunday morning game. I was at swimming. I'm not chasing this game up. Adelaide need a third import. They need a big, but Randall would be an option, I guess, if you're going to get someone of that quality.
1: Yeah, And I was still in bed because I was up till about 4 a.m. the night before. So, yeah, bugger this one.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: And then the next one, I saw a bit of uh, United and New Zealand. But, like, it was 38 points when I switched it off. I'm like, nah, there's other things. I watched the dunk comp instead, as I mentioned at the top. But, yeah, another just textbook game from United.
0: summarise this pretty quickly. Melbourne slapped the piss out of New yeah, Zealand. basically. Simple as that. Now, a couple of things I did notice, though. Wetzel, five shots. Delaney, six shots galloway six shots kind of galloway having the same or more shots as your two most important players
1: well one of whom is the starting center yeah delaney delaney is a big reason why new zealand's aren't as good this year yep, yep. i expected him to take the next step i thought he was potentially a fringe nba guy mm,
0: he's regressed massively. oh big, like
1: I, I don't know what it is like the pocket podcast guys today mentioned maybe Besson is affecting him like maybe they're not big fans of one another yeah maybe but it's it's a shame it's not I'm good. a big Finn fan, yeah. yeah. No, it's not good.
0: Like, they need to get home. <laughs> yeah, just,
1: it's sad. Just
0: forfeit the rest of the season and go home.
1: I heard a really interesting thing. Oh, what was it? One of the NBL podcasts. I think it was Matt McQuaid. Oh, Body Might have been Body Body Nodge. He was saying that, whoever it was, was saying that maybe next season, if every team volunteered one of their home games to New Zealand, mm-hmm. so New Zealand played maybe two-thirds of their games at home next season. Yeah. I think that would be a nice gesture. Hard for the clubs that struggle financially and need all True. those gate sales, but it would be a nice gesture if they could manage it. I yeah, don't know if the be. league could kick in. or.
0: I mean, it would only cost, and this is the thing, it would only cost each team a couple of, well, one game, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I think that would be really nice.
1: It would, because one of them made the good point. I mean, they could have folded. Yeah. Two full seasons.
0: I mean, Yeah.
1: we've got to protect them. I so, think it's
0: t- time to give back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. is. It is.
0: And then we saw the boil over of the round to finish things off. Tasmania, 96, defeating Illawarra, 86.
1: Now, I did see this full game. It was another good one. It was a good one. Yeah.
0: Would you say win of the season for Tassie, loss of the season for Illawarra?
1: (sighs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, well, Tassie beat Melbourne. It's hard to top top that. Maybe the second best win of the season for Tassie. But, yeah, it was huge.
0: Mm. It was huge. And Illawarra keep losing at home. You can't keep losing at home. Yeah, well, that's it. You can't rely on winning a lot of games away late.
1: I dare ask, Stewie, did we see the beginnings of this late last season where you just didn't realise? Illawarra should have beaten Perth in the semis.
0: Yeah. And oh. they
1: won game one and then lost game two at home. Like,
0: yeah, maybe th-
1: maybe the cracks have been around longer than we thought. I mean, I picked them to win the championship this season. I thought on paper they look amazing.
0: Put it this way, I think... I'm starting to hear murmurs from a few other sources around the world that are sort of starting to see maybe that Tyler Harvey isn't all he's cracked up to be and maybe he is causing a lot of the problems.
1: Well, I think I said it last week, and if I I can't remember if I said it on the recording or just in general chat. If he was any other player and he didn't have the pedigree and the runs on the board, to mix metaphors from another sport, he would be on an even hotter seat now. He's, he's living off reputation.
0: Well, 3 of 14. Well, the reputation's not great enough. Well,
1: reputation from previous. Yeah. I mean, he nearly won the MVP last season.
0: He did. You? But 3 of 14 from the field here. So this was a sub-30 percentage again. 2 of 10 from 3. I do. I feel like a broken record every week. And you
1: picked it early, man. Full credit to you. And
0: it's the same thing. It's, these, it's anything that's off balance or step back, he needs to take out of his game. The only shots that are good for him are floaters, and feet set threes. And I say it every single fucking week, and it's driving me nuts that he's not figured this out and that nobody in Illawarra has said, dude.
1: Well, maybe they have. But it's, yeah, it's much. the Hubie Brown high percentage shots. Get high percentage yeah. shots. Yeah. yeah,
0: yep. And as a result, if you look at the three-point line, that is the difference in the game. Illawarra, 4 of 22. Jessup was 0 of 5 as well, so that didn't exactly help. So 2 of 15 between them. And then the flip side is that, Tasmania, 22 of 42 at 52%.
1: Thank you for opening the door. I've got some stats on this by NBL Facts. So Josh Adams had eight three points alone. Illawarra only had four total. The first time in a 40-minute game a player has made at least eight threes and doubled their opponents. And the 22 threes was the most ever against a Gorgian coached team. By the way, Gorgian coached teams. It was 32 years and six months since he lost to a team from Tassie
0: <laughs> I saw that, yeah. back when he
1: coached the Spectres in
0: 1989 against the Devils. Yeah, it's insane. It isn't is, it? isn't it? It is. But a lot of this just comes down to a really simple thing. The perimeter defense from Illawarra to start this game was atrocious. You're giving Sam McDaniel, Clint Steindl. He
1: played bloody well. They both played quite well. well, I mean, Sam McDaniel McDaniel was was, uh, was perfect,
0: basically, to start the game off. Steindl, you give him one or two, and he's going to run through you. And obviously, yeah, then Adams went ballistic and Majette was hitting them as well. So you're giving these guys open looks. There was one in particular that I saw in overtime that they were highlighting where Majet's basically dribbling the ball outside and it was Tim Conrad. Didn't even have a hand up. And like this is a guy who consistently—he loves
1: shooting. He threats. loves them from the yeah, logo. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: And so all of a sudden you're giving them wide open looks early, and what happens? Guys get confident. Some of the stuff that Adams was hitting in that fourth quarter, he was doing like the James Harden double step. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was on just, fire. just shooting them over over guys' hands right in their face, like it just—it was amazing. And Adams was huge late. He turned back every run that the Hawks made, and the Hawks did make some good runs. Oh, it was a good game to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was a good game. So yeah, this this is one where you look at Tassie and you say that is that's a real galvanising win,
1: mate. Tassie almost outgorged gorge. Oh, well, they did. Like they cut like they meant it. They played good, honest defence. They took good shot. Okay, yeah, okay. Adams when he's when he's on a heat check he yeah. maybe, but, but that, like but that, they, that, they played played. That's good. a good
0: shot though. If he's if on he's fire, on fire, yeah,
1: that's a good shot. They if played can, good, yeah. disciplined ball, and that's sometimes that's enough because if the opposition is playing undisciplined ball. It can be that margin for error that you need to get over the line. And that's what Tazzy will do the rest of the season. Scott Roth, and I tweeted this the other day, and look, it's not a revelation. A lot of people are gonna say it and have said it. Scott Roth, it's just about his coach of the year award to
0: lose. I I am with Pete Hawley on this one. I think it's Vickerman's to lose at the moment. Roth has been amazing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, okay. what, what, but Vickerman, everyone had Melbourne Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. About, oh, okay, interesting. And, and they're top so look, it's gonna be a, a dog fight between those two, and it, it will depend on things. I think.
1: Defending champions, expansion team. Lost, it's going to be interesting.
0: Lost Jock Landau. Lost. Yeah, I know. Bubba, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, I know. How many guys? Yeah, did, yeah, lost yeah. Scotty yeah.
1: Hobbson, so. yeah, and they had some injuries at the start. Yeah, so I, I think you could. Scotty Hobson wasn't spectacular. He
0: wasn't, but but he but yeah, he, was, yeah. he played decent in the finals against Perth. But there Hall's, was.
1: I got to say, speaking of Peter Hawley, his call in that game. He was magnificent. Oh, I respect that. Well, was, that was MVP call of the season. When Gorge had two successful challenges in the space of about four minutes in the, at the beginning of the game. Oh, that was brilliant. Who's a legend.
0: I, I have to say this because, like, everyone talks about Liam Santamaria. And let me say, Liam is phenomenal, sensational at, at what he does. Yep. Peter Hulley. Does sometimes get forgotten about, and this guy is exceptional at what he does. Well, I
1: was reflecting on the Pocket Podcast guys were talking about their dream commentary team. Yep. For me, in studio, Halls, Santa Maria, Gazy. Yep. Oh, you don't need a play-by-play. They can all play-by-play. That's fine. And then Heal as the courtside guy, Ooh. because because he gives really good insights in game. He sees stuff that other people don't see. But he also gives good halftime reports, I feel, and good back and forth at halftime. So it's, that's that's it's, my...
0: It's not heel. I, as much as you're going to probably hate me for saying this, I'm trying to find room for homicide.
1: Yeah, no, I don't hate... No, I'm, no, I, I've warmed I, to homicide yeah, over the Yeah, it was the anti-Persh stuff. But <laughs> like, I know I, I actually quite like... I, yeah. I, yeah. No, I like I, homicide.
0: I, yeah, it would, yeah. It would be hard to get rid of one. I, mean, I don't know who you get rid of. Yeah, well, that's... That's why you got two. Yeah. But just, yeah, quickly going back to Illawarra for a second. Again, broken record stuff. Antonius Cleveland, ill-advised hands-fouler Matt Kenyon 30 feet away from the basket and he fouls out a couple of minutes later. It's that sort of discipline that is costing him and that is why Justin Simon was maybe slightly better defensively because...
1: Well, I'd keep Cleveland. wrath and Mays is the problem. Yeah. Apparently, he came in touted as this great defender. I haven't seen it. Nah, no. I haven't seen it.
0: And again, the bench. It's the same thing, Rathan Mays Conrad getting 20 odd minutes a game, and you had Harry Froling three minutes 18, Emmett Nah one minute 49. Yeah,
1: well, Emmett Nah's kind of that's the it. that's the the uh that's the stand topic amongst NBL media. Just like, what the fuck? why isn't Emmett Nah playing? Get
0: him out. Get well, the only out. the
1: only way he will get minutes is for the boomers.
0: Yep, well, yeah, how's he gonna? Yeah, well, well
1: Gorge isn't coaching that one because it's over. true, but, yeah.
0: And then if you look at even just the way that they they just continually don't make adjustments. Tasmania started four guards in this game with Jared Besto.
1: Well, with Magna out, yeah, they started. They kind of have to
0: four guards. And
1: Besto gave him some good minutes too.
0: But everything should have been inside in this game. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. You've got to attack the paint. Yeah, Do yeah, yeah, Reece, yeah, yeah,
0: Sam Froling and they- Reef played
1: well, but 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 he still. It should have been targeted. Absolutely, dominated
0: yep. this one. They yep. made no adjustments. They've won three of their last seven games. All of them have been against Cairns.
1: And they're five and five at home.
0: And two of them, the two of those three games against Cairns, were at home. Yeah. I honestly, I think Gorge has lost this team.
1: Well, they're in trouble.
0: They are massive trouble. They are now crazy, crazy stat again from NBL Facts. They are a sensational follow on Twitter. Twenty twenty two Tassie Jack Jumpers after fourteen games are seven and seven. 2020, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix after 14 games were seven and seven. 2015, Melbourne United seven and seven after Crazy. 14. Crazy. 2008, the Gold Coast Blaze seven and seven. Now I saw Nick Tan on the uh, on the old Twitter saying, "What about the Brisbane Bullets? They rejoined the league in 2016-17, and after 14 games, they were seven and seven. It's
1: nuts. It yeah, is, it's insane. Yeah, I mean United, they expansion. Uh, I think they still have Tigers jerseys hanging in the rafters. Wow." But, like, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an it's, amazing stuff. No, it really is. Amazing.
0: All right, Nath, let's let's quickly run through these third imports. And we will
1: have to be quick, geez.
0: Because they they're a problem. Now, I've sort of gone through and compiled a list of just the third imports. You've one-upped me in every single stat, basically, for all of the imports here. And well,
1: part of the reason that was, Chewy, is because, okay, some teams don't even have three imports.
0: Yeah, this is very true. But
1: in some ways, like, who is the third import? So for Sydney, for example, okay, Ian Clark's only played one game. You could make an, a decent argument that Jerrell Martin has now gone down to third import for oh, Sydney, I, I which shows, again, how strong they are.
0: I think by the end of the season, he will be, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so I felt like I had to look at all the imports, hmm. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's pretty simple for a lot of them. So we'll, I'll go in reverse order. So McCall McIntosh for Tassie, he would be the third import. Six points a game, 3.6 rebounds, less than one assist in 16 minutes. It's no real secret that a lot of people are sort of questioning how impactful he's been. Certainly hasn't really done that much. He's had a couple of big games. but for He's, the,
1: for he's the, kind of one of those guys that if he was an Aussie, you'd call him a handy role player. Yes. But he's an import.
0: When you're paying that money.
1: And unfortunately, we don't know what guys are being paid. And, and as I kind of alluded to the other week, maybe the third guys are getting paid a bit less.
0: Mm.
1: But... With Magne out, I'm surprised his minutes haven't gone up more, to be honest, as yeah. well. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, Sydney, look, we're not going to really talk much about Ian Clark, but Aside from the fact that he's brilliant, he will be, I think, put it this way, based on the game he had against Perth, I think he'll be fine. Brandon Ashley for South Melbourne, 9.3 points, 5.8 boards in 17 minutes. I think he's playing...
1: He's played nine games now, so we have a yeah. decent sample.
0: I think he's playing the exact role that Southeast Melbourne need from him. He attacks the glass. He rebounds fairly well.
1: He blocks shots. He blocks shots. He, yep. he dunks. I'm a big fan of Ashley.
0: I think he's a, he's a good fit. Frazier for Perth, 8.1 points, 6.2 boards, 2.6 assists in 25 minutes a game. We've already spoken about it. I think he is a lost cause. He is taking minutes away from key players within our rotation.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: I would be fine with him being pushed off, even if he's not replaced. I, don't, I just don't think there's any need for it. I'd rather have that spot open.
1: So he's taking nine shots a game. The Wildcats imports are taking 43 shots a game.
0: Mm. It's
1: the bulk of the offense. Not always for good measure either. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: not, not great. So that 35% is uh, it's hideous.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cotton 42, Law 46. So they're, they're yeah, pretty good. But, but yeah, but if
0: Cotton's shooting 42% and making a bunch of threes a game, that's fine. But if, I mean, most of Frazier's stuff is in the mid-range and it's, it's just not working.
1: Two turnovers a game for him, too.
0: Yeah, that's costly. Now, Chas and Randall, we'll give him a little bit of a pass because he's only played three games. Uh, Melbourne don't even have a second import, let alone a third. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know, which, again, why I had to look at everyone. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then we've kind of got the two really tricky ones. So Xavier Rathan Mays, we've spoken about 10.2 points, four boards, 3.8 assists. <laughs> two and a half
1: turnovers on 10 shots.
0: It's, it's up and down. It's very up and down with him, so it's it's just yeah. I, I must admit, I think if they could have got rid of him and got back Simon, that would have been great. And
1: his almost his best his best work is four rebounds and nearly four assists. That's nearly his best, mm. which is a worry. Yeah, it is less than a steal a game. Yeah, he he's not performing.
0: And the real the one that annoys me, Steven Zimmerman. <laughs> the stats for this guy: eleven point one points and nine point eight boards a game. It sounds solid.
1: Yeah, wants a double. Mr. Double Double.
0: He is absolutely an eye test guy. Though. Yeah, yeah. He, like, there was honestly, he got falconed the other day. I think, I can't remember who it was. Someone knocked the ball out of his hand and basically slapped it straight onto his face and out of bounds. It just that sums him up. He has missed so many bunnies.
1: I'll be honest, Kansas has been the team. And look, it's partly because they've played the fewest games, but it's the team I've seen the least. So I can't comment a hell of a lot on him, but.
0: Scott Machado has played three games so far. Yeah, yeah. His numbers should be at least five points a game higher. He should be averaging probably 16 and 11. And I just, honestly, the amount of shots he missed, there was one hook shot he took from about three feet out against Adelaide that nearly broke the backboard. It, 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 <laughs> he, he, he seriously he threw this thing so hard. I, I'm, I'm amazed it didn't shatter the backboard. Uh, it, just honestly, I... He is one of the most uncoordinated looking dudes I've ever seen come into the league. Yeah, he's the whole reason I did this list, basically. Brisbane, Isaiah Moss, four and a half points, one rebound, less than than half an assist a game.
1: Yeah, he's only played six games, but he's getting to that point now where the games are piling up. I mean, I'm a bit like Woody from Throwback Hoops. I do like the look of him, but... Gotta start performing.
0: But the minutes, the minutes are a problem. Well, yeah,
1: that's he can't control that. Yeah. Well um,
0: 14 and a half minutes a game. With no Sobi, He, he, should, he yeah. should
1: be 25. Yep. Yeah.
0: So I think that's certainly an issue. Um, and then look, I've kind of thrown K Soto into the mix, even though he's a next star. Uh 7.7 points, four and a half rebounds, and about half an assist in 15 minutes. I'm impressed with what I'm saying. I like what I, yeah. I, I, like I, it. I really am. And yeah. in like the start of the season, no one really knew what to make of him. Is he this gimmick? I was hopeful. Yeah. So, so was I. And the highlight packages
1: were great, but mm-hmm. we didn't, we thought, oh, okay, the competition. No, I look, I'm very hopeful for him. And Considering
0: he... he's 18.
1: And considering their injury troubles, we didn't even mention Humphrey's injury last week there'll be time for him in Adelaide. Hmm. There will be time for him. So yeah, fingers crossed. Keep getting minutes. Keep making the most of those opportunities. I'd love to see it.
0: So I guess, yeah, the whole reason that we wanted to talk about this is that when you think back to previous trios, I just, I don't remember there being a season where there've been so many third imports where you just look at it and go trash, trash, trash. Like there's just...
1: I'd just love to know the money because again, if they're being paid kind of Aussie role player money, then they're only going to produce Aussie role player minutes mm. and, and numbers. So yeah. Yeah. But no, you're right. It's not a spectacular third import class again. Does COVID have anything to do with that? I don't know. Maybe. What are the odds that the Wildcats sack Fraser and then he goes over to Melbourne and fucking plays a Udi Barber defensive role for them, you know,
0: <laughs> be about right. Oh, it? it
1: would be typical.
0: It would be typical, but no, disappointing all up as I think half the teams could very, very easily get rid of their third import and, No one would bat an eyelid.
1: Well, we're pretty much at the halfway point. So we might revisit this again at the end end of the season and see how things have changed. Again, some blokes have been injured, haven't played a hell of a lot. So we'll see.
0: Well, we could easily sum up the entire NBA All-Star Weekend by just making a poo sound. but Because it wasn't great. I
1: prefer not to.
0: It wasn't great, was it? No.
1: Anyone that's listened to us long enough knows that I'm not into exhibition games. And I look, when I was a kid, I loved it. But now it's a fucking waste of time, and I'd rather watch an NBL game, mm. which was a great theory until I switched on Melbourne and New Zealand. Yeah, and then does, I was like, yeah. I don't want to watch anything. No,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Look, just the quick bridge between NBL and NBA. We've got to talk very quickly about Josh Giddy. Three, yes. Three straight triple-doubles leading into All-Star Weekend. Joins Oscar Robertson as the only rookies to ever do that. One of those was in New York. This was a classic from him. 27 points, 10 boards, 12 assists. He and Julius Randle both had them. First time a Nick and an opponent had them in the same game since the 24th of March, 1981, Larry Bird and Michael Ray Richardson. Yeah. And he became the all-time Thunder rookie rebound leader for, a se- for that season, passing Russell Westbrook, doing so before the All-Star break. Mm. So there you go.
1: First teenager with three straight triple doubles. Yes. So I've looked at his numbers. Since November, he's increased his points per game by six, his assists by two, and his effective field goal percentage by 10.
0: All right, so let's let's rattle through this All-Star weekend as quickly as we can. Ugh, so yep. first up on Friday night we had the Celebrity Challenge. I reckon I'd heard of three people in that game.
1: Well, Miles Garrett. What a beast, eh? Hey? Yeah. Miles, he Garrett. looked like an NFL player around yeah, there. That's... Huge block and huge dunk too. Yes. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I have to have to point out. I don't count Booby Gibson or Anderson Varejao as celebrities. they're NBA players. Well,
1: they're just there to lift the standard yeah. a, little, a little bit, aren't they?
0: I think it was Machine Gun Kelly, Tiffany Haddish, and Miles Garrett were the only three I'd heard of.
1: You, know, I don't even. I, I only know Machine Gun Kelly because he's been going out with other celebrities there and stuff. I, yeah. yeah, but I saw a lowlights package of all his misses. Oh, that's good. Yeah, not good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know, even even I can't watch that, right? Oh, even as a kid, I wouldn't have watched this shit. Nah. What
1: a fucking waste of time.
0: Now, the, the Rising Stars had a very new concept. I just wanted to quickly run through this. So four seven-player teams compete in a mini tournament of three games, each played to a target score. 12 NBA rookies, 12 sophomores, and four players from the G League. NBA players selected by assistant coaches, Ignite players by G League head coaches, and teams coached by a member of the 75th team. So you had Rick Barry, James Worthy, Isaiah Thomas, and Gary Payton. And coaches select their team from a draft. Race to 75 format, first to 50 in the semis, first to 25 in the final. What are your thoughts?
1: I, I didn't hate it. it. I thought it was. It meant that you got a few more young guys out there, but also they'd play more minutes because there won't be guys rotting on a bench if there's only two teams. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I didn't mind it.
0: Yeah, I like that. I agree.
1: Conceptually.
0: No, great exposure yeah, for yeah. the Ignite players. The draft aspect was kind of fun as well. I love the fact that the NBA 75 guys were there.
1: Yep. And it was a great weekend for that. That was probably the highlight of the whole weekend was the 75th anniversary celebrations. Yeah. yeah.
0: But it was an absolute slog.
1: Oh, yeah. I watched, I watched a little bit. But, I mean... I you only need to see the highlight package of these games. Yeah. They're not good games to watch.
0: My thought is, if you're going for that NBA at 75 thing, why wouldn't you play to 50 in the final?
1: Well, it, it, it's weird that the final wouldn't go higher, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. If they're the two best teams, theoretically. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah, no, you're bang on there, yeah. definitely.
0: Clay Thompson said they should play to 77, but... uh <laughs> I, I did a little bit of uh, bit of hard work. and, and Yeah, got, I know. Got, Jeez,
1: that's a slog.
0: Got some stats for you because oh, this was that bad. They're not good. Game one, 73 combined shots. Three of them were not three-pointers, layups, or dunks. Three. Yep. And one of those three technically didn't count because it was a, a game winner that he got fouled on. So Desmond Bain went and hit some free throws. So they didn't even count as an official shot. So really it was 71 of the 73 official shots. Mm. So not great. Slightly better in game two, 83 shots with 10 of them not being threes, layups or dunks. And a really nice game winner from Jay Sean Tate, has to be said. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. that NBL bridge. Yeah, definitely.
0: And then in the final, 41 shots, five of them not threes, layups or dunks.
1: Yeah, so I saw the end of the final. That's what I saw. Yeah. I oh, look, again, I mean, it's... Okay, it's great if you're a kid and you love dunks and flashy passes and stuff. But, I mean, as a spectacle... As a purist, it's trash.
0: It's, it's fucking trash. trash. Yeah, I have an idea though. Get rid of the three-point line. Yeah, I reckon the that, Paul
1: Pierce defense. Eh? I
0: honestly reckon that that fixes so much because guys aren't going to be worried about taking those shots if they count the same as a mid-range. You might actually see some offense getting run. Okay, it's going to be a dunk comp for the first two-thirds of it, but. If you're stopping guys pulling up and taking off balance threes or running to the line instead of running the lanes.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it's an interesting idea.
0: That's the only thing I can think of.
1: Like I said, Paul Pierce was saying it when he was still playing that they should have it in the NBA proper. Which is interesting because he made so many of them. Well, uh, he's a bit of a mid-range guy, but yeah. yeah. He hit a lot of Oh, yeah, he had range. (laughs) A lot of threes in his
0: career. So, yeah, that wasn't great, but I got through it. I got through.
1: You Welsh, yeah, that's hard work. And
0: I recovered just in time to watch the Clutch Challenge, which was actually in the middle of it. So, uh, yeah. 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 Um, so this one was also a bit silly. Teams of two shoot from five different spots on the floor to depict an NBA playoff moment. Magic Johnson's baby hook against Boston. Barclays stare down jump shot from the top of the key against the Spurs. Ray Allen's final corner three against the Spurs. Yeah,
1: not good if you're a Spurs fan. Jesus.
0: Reggie Miller's push off three against Chicago, and Damian Lillard's walk off three from the logo against OKC. Interesting
1: concept. Good excuse to play the video footage.
0: But not we, much. But else. guys didn't have to take a hook shot. They didn't have to make the three a step back the way that Ray Allen's was. They didn't have to. It wasn't like horse. They didn't have to do the side dribble the way that that Damian Lillard did. Yeah. So for me. The, yeah, the concept is great, but the way that it was kind of executed just didn't look that great. And you had Scotty Barnes and Tyrese Maxey missing all six of their shots from the Magic Johnson spot, which is like six feet out.
1: Yeah. so A lot of missed bunnies. It,
0: like, I understand you want to have a shooting comp, that's fine. But, you know, just play a package and just put the spots down. You don't have to have them necessarily correlating to this particular play. It, yeah, it was... It was pretty ghastly.
1: I think every shot should be a hook shot. sky hook. Well. Every single shot. I might watch then.
0: Speaking of might watch then. Yeah. Not watch. Yeah. More likely. The yeah. dunk comp, I think the less said about this, the better. I think Obi Toppin was the only one in that comp who had any kind of creativity. Like, being an awesome in-game dunker does not make you a great competition dunker.
1: No, clearly not. Put simply. Clearly not. And, and blokes are just having far too many attempts. Yep. So this is the greatest tweet.
0: I think you might have the same thing as me.
1: Oh, Okay. Yep, you've got it. So at Keith Smith NBA, Jalen Green's NFT was for the nine fucking times he tried his dunk attempt. <laughs> and I actually saw the first comment after that was, wow, Keith Smith swearing? He must be pissed off or something yeah. to that effect. So yeah, wearing the NFT around his neck and then didn't even dunk with it on. Mm-hmm. Gave it off to Isaiah or Casey.
0: Broke it. One of the.
1: And sorry, by the way, Dominic Wilkins, why the fuck are you giving tens to shit pedestrian shit? Yeah, you are the greatest dunker of all to one of if not greatest. Don't bloody enable them. Disappointed.
0: So so I've got a stat for you. Actually, you mentioned the nine attempts that Jalen Green took. The dunkers were seven of twenty-five in the Uh, first round. Yeah, seven of twenty-five. Yep. 28%. 28%. But for me, I think the best tweet goes to Nico Ramos at Nico RMS, the 2022 NBA slam dunk attempt contest.
1: <laughs> I like Sarah Spain's tweet where she basically, I haven't quoted it, but she basically said, Giannis will have to delete 48 minutes off his phone of Miss missed dunk because <laughs> all these guys are filming. Yeah. And I mean, they showed Shaq in the crowd looking very yeah. nonplussed. Yeah. And there, yeah. And there
0: were so many people saying like, I'm so mad at the league for what they did to Aaron Gordon.
1: He was robbed twice, mm. twice. Those. I've got to say, there's some revisionist history going on with those Levine-Gordon competitions, though, because there are a lot of misses in those competitions, too. Like, the final highlights look good. Mm. Amazing, actually. Like, Gordon's just spectacular. The hoverboard one, the mascot. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the
0: height that he got. Oh, they're just so good, good,
1: so good. But there were more misses than people remember in that comp, mm. yeah. yeah. But it was, I mean, it was head and shoulders, A George Murasan head and shoulders above this. Yeah. It's very high. Yeah. More than millimeters.
0: Three-point shootout was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, if you didn't listen to the top of the show, you won't understand what the hell I'm talking about. What
0: is Stu laughing? Uh, Three-point shootout was a bit of fun.
1: Since basically, what, the last 20 years? Maybe a bit less. In the last 15 years, this has been basically the only part of All-Star Weekend that I look forward to. And I'm happy if we jag a good dunk comp, but I don't expect one.
0: Mm. Yeah. Surprise winner. So, yeah, very for big, everyone. Yeah. But
1: Robbie, at uh, throwback hoops.
0: Yeah, shout out Robbie. Well, big, uh, well yeah, picked, great pick. So Cat, the first center to win,
1: and so nice. That just given the troubles and hardships that he's gone through, and they allowed him to wear some jewelry that was yeah, from his mum or something. It was just yeah, a
0: Necklace that they don't ordinarily let them wear. I think that goes back to the days of Jordan Dunk comp in.
1: Oh yeah, Go- the gold chain,
0: Golden State in like 1985. I want to say where he had that gold chain. Yeah, yeah they they got rid of it yeah. not long after that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look, it was. It, I think it's enjoyable because people aren't trying to come up with new ways to shoot. It's just it, they've just sort of tinkered with the rules. They've added that three-point ball to go with the rack of money balls, so it skews history a little bit in terms of the numbers. But yeah,
1: I I don't love this. the money balls are enough.
0: I don't, I I don't mind, it. but
1: but I like the competition, and it's it's yeah, as I say, it's the one thing that I actually look forward to and enjoy watching. And and let's face it, the game has become a bloody three-point shootout. Yeah,
0: it has.
1: Which would you prefer, watching Steph Curry shoot threes? ad nauseum without being defended or a competition that actually has a bit of stake and a bit of pressure. I'll take the three point shootout any day of the week rather than 16 of 27. Thank you very much.
0: And it's kind of funny actually, Nate, because of all the shots that he hit, the one non three pointer, I think was the most impressive shot that he hit.
1: Only non three pointer he took in the whole game. Wasn't it?
0: No, I think he took three. Okay. Okay. But I mean, even so. I
1: only saw the highlights.
0: No, that's fair enough. Yeah, But yeah, he takes this crazy one-legged floater that he put, I reckon, 20 feet off the floor.
1: Tyler Harvey would be proud. He
0: would be. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the thing that's crazy about this... Okay, yeah, Steph was on fire. No problems with that. His 27 three-pointers is more shots than any other player took total. Yep. It's...
1: Yeah. I'm just not interested. Yeah. it's
0: like I mean, you hit 16 threes, but half of them you had nobody within six. Feet. Yeah. It's just, you that's just, that's why you're not going to do that in a game. Yeah. Because you got guys defending you. Yeah. First
1: like it. any, any, any All Star game stats are just, I mean, yeah, like, what credence do you put in them? None.
0: Like no. maybe
1: back when Jordan played, and they were a bit more competitive, yeah. but not in the last twenty years.
0: It's look, it's a great game to watch the highlights of for maybe four minutes.
1: Yeah, watch that. Yeah, exactly. So watch ja, the highlights.
0: Ja Morant had a couple of really nice dunks. Yeah, LeBron had a couple of nice dunks. So did Giannis. So did Joel Embiid. Yeah, blah, blah
1: blah. Save yourself two and a half hours. Watch just over two and a half minutes of highlights instead. Yeah, yeah.
0: Look, it's cool that LeBron hit the game winner with it being in Cleveland. And I say game winner. They were already up a point. You know that whole. Elam ending thing we, we're not going to touch that right now
1: no we for another seem episode seems to be the only people that aren't big fans of that's it. for another yep.
0: episode but uh, nah look I'm glad All-Star Weekend's over and we can get back to the normal basketball now quite frankly
1: yes indeed
0: now a couple of other things quickly because we are well and truly over time yeah
1: we both have tons of notes we're going to have to push to next we week we will
0: but I think the big stuff Chris Paul huge fractured right thumb out for six to eight weeks the playoffs start in seven yep he still played two minutes in the all star game, yeah. That's bizarre. How pissed are you if you're a Phoenix fan right now?
1: Well, all I can think is that the doctor said he couldn't get any more injured, but geez, your digits, man, thumbs, you don't want to get any hurt, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, that's odd.
0: I will say this
1: so you get on the box, basically. Yeah, yeah that's it.
0: <laughs> Look, they're six and a half games ahead of second place in the West right now. Are the Phoenix Suns? They have the 25th hardest strength of schedule left, so they've got a pretty good run coming, yeah, out. yep. And only Memphis and Portland in the West have an easier schedule coming up. And only Memphis out of those two teams is even close, like remotely close. So it's...
1: I hope it doesn't derail their season because they've played superbly well and they deserve the accolades they get. So, and I know look, I was skeptical about them last season, but... I hope he comes good for playoff time. Hopefully, Denver will be a bit more stronger come playoff
0: time. It does. I'm a little bit worried about the the pressure that it maybe puts on the likes of Cameron Payne and Alfred Payton, to a lesser extent, Devin Booker as well. But this is why your bank wins early.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. And Payne played some really good playoff games last season.
0: He, he did. So, so,
1: and I mean, Chris Paul missed full playoff games last season.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's, he's very capable. But so, yeah. Thankfully, as I say, they've got those wins on the board and. They're kind of good to go.
1: I really look forward to the playoffs. And yeah. I, I might have got a bit excited about Brooklyn now that Ben's in a better situation. I think there's a very good chance it could be another rematch of Milwaukee and Phoenix. But I think it'll be exciting playoffs.
0: Speaking of Brooklyn and potentially also somebody that Phoenix could have used. Yes. They've signed Goran Dragic off the waivers.
1: Yes, huge.
0: So that is a certainly a big pickup. Possibly a little bit of Kyrie Irving insurance in the interim.
1: Ironically, apparently the New York law might be changed soon. <laughs> so, But, hey, you can never have too many good veteran guards to come play off time.
0: No, exactly. And speaking of Brooklyn, how crazy was their comeback against New York last week?
1: Oh, man, Stephen A. Smith went off. So he should. Yeah.
0: Down 28 in the second quarter with no, no KD, no Kyrie, no Simmons, no uh, Nick Claxton. Like, New York are finding new ways to lose every night now. I, I Cody, I really feel for oh, you. mate. Be tough to be a New York fan. Yeah, right now, really. Randall's
1: turned to shit again. No, I'm not, not Not that's not 100% true, but it's Randall's 90, not as good. It's about 99% yeah.
0: true, though. He is not great. And one tiny little thing which I saw on Brooklyn, which is kind of cool they could start Kyrie, Simmons, and Griffin, all number one draft picks, and Durant and Aldridge, both number two picks, the highest drafted starting five in NBA yeah, history.
1: I saw that too. Two of which were born in Melbourne. Yes. Yep.
0: The other three not born in Melbourne.
1: True. <laughs> Just quietly saw a bit of college ball over the weekend. March Madness is upon us. It's very close. Saw a bit of Auburn, one of the very highly touted teams. Saw a few other teams that could cause some noise in the tournament. Oh, a lick of my lips.
0: Seems like the March Madness kind of got to Juwan Howard, though.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Lost his head.
1: Yeah. We did did a bit of a Matt Hodgson. Yeah,
0: throw Well, Well, it ended up as...
1: Hodgson didn't throw punches. Well, it ended up as an open hand. I think he connected with an open hand, but he started with a closed fist. Mm. Yeah, not good. So he's been basically...
0: Suspended for the, quote, rest of the season. Five games. Five games, yeah. Yeah,
1: Until the tournament.
0: (laughs) Which is probably fair enough. Yeah, I
1: don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably.
0: You don't really want that. Yeah. Yeah. And now, this week in sport history... February 22nd,
1: 1980, the Miracle on Ice game at the Lake Placid Winter Olympics sees the American team score one of the biggest upsets imaginable, knocking off the red-hot favourite and four-time defending gold medalist Soviet Union team 4-3 after two goals to the Americans in the final period. To outline how big a mismatch this was, the Soviet team consisted primarily of professional players, while the American team only had four players with any kind of minor league experience and were the youngest team in the tournament, and in fact, in U.S. national team history. Going into this match, the Soviet Union had an Olympic record 27 wins, one draw and one loss, and had outscored their opponents 175-44 to 44 in those games, having not lost a game since 1968. During this one, American coach Herb Brooks had his players working with the lines of 40 seconds or less to stay full of energy for the third term. The Americans were lucky in the first period with a goal to Buzz Snyder from a tough angle and then right at the buzzer, Dave Christian fired from the halfway line and the ricochet landed with Mark Johnson, who scored with one second left. The Soviets dominated the second period with 12 shots to two, but could only muster one goal to lead 3-2 at the end of the second. In the last period, the Americans used a power play for a rare chance on goal, in which Johnson put away, before Mike Arruzione put the USA ahead 4-3 with 10 minutes left. The Soviets attacked relentlessly, hitting the bar once and firing wide a few more times. But strangely, even in the last minute, never pulled their goalie. Al Michaels, do you believe in miracles? Yes, call will live on forever. The win ranks in the top one or two of most people's lists of top 10 moments in US sports history. And two days later, the Americans would clinch the gold medal with a 4-2 win over Finland.
0: February 24th, 2010, Sachin Tendulkar becomes the first man to score a double century in an ODI cricket match making 200 not out off 147 balls against South Africa at Gwalior, hitting 25 fours and three sixes. Tendulka had had a couple of other close efforts in the magical milestone, retiring with cramps on 163 against New Zealand, making 175 against Australia, and then finishing unbeaten on 186 against New Zealand before all of this happened. I actually remember watching this one live at home with my dad, just being in complete disbelief that someone had managed to pull off what seemed to be unthinkable. I I
1: did not think it would be possible at at all. And I probably didn't think about those postage stamp grounds, but yeah, incredible.
0: But then it happened another seven times over the next eight years, including three from Rohit Sharma, highlighted by his masterpiece, 264 of 173 against Sri Lanka in 2014. Now, it is worth noting that before all of that happened, former Australian captain Belinda Clark did have a 2.29 not out against the might of Denmark at the 1997 (laughs) Women's World Cup as part of three for 412 that Australia made, winning by 363. Denmark's top scorer, a blistering 16 by sundries. Wow. February 26,
1: 1924, Marie Boyd of Central High School in Lona Koning, Maryland, scores 156 points in a basketball game against Ursuline Academy from Cumberland as part of a 163-3 to three victory. Central was one of the first really dominant high school teams, thanks largely to Boyd, and they actually went undefeated from 1922 through to 1925. The game was very different to the game we know and love today. It was played inside a cage with players often known as cages, and after every basket, the game would go back to the centre court for a jump ball, which is where a lot of Boyd's success came from. That must be where netball got it from. Yeah. A few nights before, Central had played local rival Bial and their star player Sarah Hawes had done the unthinkable at the time, dropping 95 points on them. Hawes received all of the media attention and Central were pissed. They decided to make Boyd the undisputed scoring queen of Western Maryland. Their plan was simple. Use the height at the jump ball as they had a six foot three forward. She would tap it to one of their other players who would pass it to Boyd under the basket. And this play worked to staggering 78 times in a row. This is, of course, the one we teased last week. Unfortunately, due to a lack of national press, the achievement was largely unknown outside of Lona Koning until Cheryl Miller scored 105 points in 1982 and Boyd's feat was finally given the attention it deserved. Boyd passed away in 1991, but her legacy will live on forever.
0: February 27, 1959, the Chicago Cardinals trade running back Ollie Mattson to the LA Rams for seven players, a 1959 second round pick and a player to be named later. The Rams were run by GM Pete Rozelle at the time, who went on to be commissioner of the league from 1960 to 1989. Matson had previously played at the University of San Francisco, where Rozelle was one of the school's information directors of sport. So they did have history. Interesting little story, though. The team was invited to play in the 1951 Orange Bowl on the condition that the club's African-American players, Matson and Burl Toler, didn't play. They refused.
1: We've talked about this one before, too, mm, actually,
0: yeah. Dodgy. Mattson was drafted in 1952 after winning a bronze in the 400 metres and a silver in the four x 400 metre relay at the Helsinki Olympics. Talk about incredible talent in multiple sports. Funnily enough, the same year that the Rams made the biggest trade by one team for a player trading 11 players to Dallas for the rights to eight-time Pro Bowler Les Richter. This trade, as massive as it was, didn't really work out for either team. The seven players traded to Chicago yielded a total of two Pro Bowls and the Cardinals moved to St. Louis in 1960. They've only been to one Super Bowl since, losing 27-23 in the 2008 edition to the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Yeah, the one with Kurt Warner. It's a good game. Mm. Sorry. that's
0: it's (laughs) fine. Mattson made the Hall of Fame, but the Rams didn't make the playoffs again until 1967, the year after Mattson retired. They wouldn't win their only Super Bowl until 1999, which has just changed as of, what, about two hours ago?
1: Yes, because we are recording this back in the past. Spooky. (laughs) Happy birthday, Stewie. We've got a couple here. Now, they're both probably more your sports than mine. We've got a golfer and a tennis. So happy 59th birthday to Vijay Singh and a happy 50th to Michael Chang. Vijay, one of the coolest golfers to ever play, even though I'm not a massive fan of golf, I do know the big man. And Michael Chang, well, I do remember watching him play as a kid too. An absolute energy ball Just on the a court.
0: blur of energy, honestly.
1: In 1984, he won the Malaysian PGA Championship, but was later accused of changing his scorecard from one over to one under to make the cut. There was no proof and Singh denied it, but was given a lifetime ban from the Asian PGA Tour play. So he had to grind and make his way back onto the tour and had some successes in Africa, Europe and America before really breaking through in winning the 1998 PGA Championship. He would win the Masters in 2000 before winning the PGA Championship again in 2004, the same year he became the world number one, where he stood for 32 weeks. To this day, Singh has 64 professional wins to his name and is still a regular on the PGA Tour.
0: Now, secondly, Michael Chang, like so many others, he's kind of one of these forgotten names from the 80s and 90s of tennis. Everyone knows Sampras and Agassi, but Chang was a cracking player. He won the 1989 French Open at just 17 years of age. And he made the 1995 French Open final, losing to Thomas Muster and the final of the Australian Open in 96, as well as the US Open the same year, beating Andre Agassi in the semifinals, both occasions. He was also part of the 1990 Davis Cup winning American team. So he's he's done really well. Oh, yeah, he had a good career. Now, Chang actually turned pro and was world number 163 before his 16th birthday. (laughs) It's impressive. Oh, yeah. So he dropped out of school after getting his GED in grade 10 to turn pro. He became the youngest player to win a draw match at the US Open, beating Paul McNamee. Then he became the youngest player to reach the semi final of a top level professional tournament, as well as the youngest winner. And in August 1989, the youngest to make the top five in the world. Chang played in some monumental matches, the most noteworthy being the fourth round boil over at Roland Garros in 1989, as he beat top seed Ivan Lendl from two sets and a breakdown and he battled through cramps to somehow win before knocking off Stefan Edberg in the final, also in five sets. And that was what made him so great. It was never about his power. He was just a short guy who couldn't generate the power that he he probably wanted, but he just ran all day, got so many extra balls back into court, and then he had good passing shots. So an absolute joy to watch. Happy birthday to Vijay Singh and Michael Chang, two Indeed. absolute champions. This week in sport history.
1: Stewie, sure you know what that music means. What are you aim
0: for? Well, it's hard to go past South East Melbourne and Perth in the NBL this weekend, but I am absolutely fascinated by the Adelaide-Illawarra game, to see if the Hawks can bounce back. Mm. And then Germany and the Philippines in the T20 World Cup qualifiers. Can Richie Goodwin slow down Justin Broad?
1: Well, it is Richie Day. Hail Richie Benno.
0: Hail the great man.
1: And hail him too. How about yourself, mate? Well, definitely looking forward to the smorgasbord of basketball over the next week and coming months. The big one. Will Harden suit up for Philadelphia on Monday? We'll find out soon. Until next time, I'm Nathan.
0: And I'm Stuart.
1: We are the Sport Blokes.